Hello, Pivoters. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU, your podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for making a pivot away from campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stutter pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they are giving back and supporting others doing the same. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Stutter. And we are thrilled to be with the infamous Jeff Patterson today. So I say infamous because it's a great word and he wanted to be infamous. So we just, we just made it so, but also because we are finding and hearing so many people who have gleaned information from the various things that you've shared out, Jeff, and things that you have put together that has really been life-changing for them, especially as they're trying to make a pivot from maybe education or higher ed. I mean, I'm sure you have other people following you, but that's the main folks that we're looking at. Um And so super excited to have you here and learn about your journey. Um, We did have Eric, who works for you, um, on our show. And um, we learned a little bit about Gaggle. And I found it to be uh, fascinating, not frustrating, um, but fascinating. And I read your description on LinkedIn about how you started it. So um, I just was wondering if you can get us started by just telling us a little bit about you and your background, what led you to create Gaggle, what Gaggle does, um, and anything else sort of associated with your background that you think it'd be useful for listeners to hear. Sure. Thank you, Jamie. And I appreciate you you calling me out as to be infamous. My mother is very happy that I'm doing positive things and not in prison. So um, it's all going in the right direction. So she had high expectations, I can tell. She she did. She did. Um, in some ways, I've lived up them. Some ways, I haven't. Um, so to tell you how I got started, I, look, I was a born entrepreneur. I was starting businesses when I was five, right? They were silly little things. Um, it's just, it's in my blood. Um, and when I graduated from college, I got a real job for just one year. I worked as an investment bank uh, as an analyst, and it just wasn't for me. And I knew that I was, you know, I, I needed to start my own thing. And I started a couple of different businesses that were mediocre or failures outright until I really landed on Gaggle. And so it's a really a story of persistence. Even with Gaggle, it, it's, you know, it was it's 21 years in, so it's a story of persistence still. We're about 140 employees now. And when I got started, I tried to raise venture capital and no one would trust me, right? I was a young kid. I was, I was, you know, not even 30 at the time. This is, you know, the pioneers days of startup land and no one would invest in me, but I was young and stubborn and stupid. And so I just started building the company anyway. And that's how we've gotten to the point where we are today. I never took any outside money. Yeah, it's 100% owned by me. And, and what's advantageous about that is any good idea, any half-baked idea that I want to do, we just do it. We're not beholden to a board. We get to do what's in the best interest of students and schools and my staff. To answer the question about what we do, I like to tell a story. So I should warn you, this is a dark story, but it's a true story from a school district in New Jersey that we work with. 
It was a Friday evening last October and a middle school boy pulled out his Google Chromebook and he started creating a Google doc. And in that doc, he said, I'm tired of faking my feelings. I've got no one who loves me, not even my family. My only choice left is suicide. So what we do at Gaggles, we sit behind the school's digital tools, which is primarily Google Classroom. We're pulling in the email, the Google Docs, anything the kids are creating and collaborating on. We have technology that highlights things that are concerning. And then we have some great people that are working 24 hours a day that review those items. And when our safety reps saw this item, they recognized immediately that it was a credible threat. So our safety person called our emergency contact who happened to be the school principal. The school principal started calling the home while the assistant principal called local police. And when the principal got a hold of the parents, they said, no, our, our son is fine. We, we, we just finished dinner. He's upstairs in his room. But when they went to look, he wasn't there. And that's why it became important that the assistant principal got a hold of local police because in this town in New Jersey, they knew where to go. The trains run through this town on the way to New York City. And there's a certain location where Previously, two kids had jumped in front of the train to end their life. And sure enough, they found this boy walking that spot. That all happened within 15 minutes. Uh, to give you some context, we helped protect about five and a half million students across the United States. And that story happened over 1,400 times last school year. We're looking for depression and cutting and bullying and threats of violence, all sorts of things. Um, and we're just trying to make a difference and find these situations before tragedy really happens. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I want to, I have like 80 follow-up questions that are probably beyond the scope of this podcast about I, Gaggle, but, but my immediate thinking is really, I know you focused on K through 12. Have you thought about venturing into the higher ed? Oh, Jamie, I am desperate to get in the higher ed and every chance, every time I try, we get stymied by, oh, these kids are adults. Huh. We can follow up. I'd love to follow up with that after this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, in, I mean, I, I, I know there's a long list of concerns people would have, but there's so much activity that's going on on social media and the like that, you know, it seems like this could be very impactful. But yeah, I'd love to just chat more about that. Tom's mad at me because I took, I took over, but I'm like, wow, like this would be so amazing, you know, because a, a lot of times, you know, a lot of the people listening to this, quite frankly, worked in positions where they were the emergency response. And luckily, these students lived in housing, right? So they like told a roommate or and there, so there was someone that kind of knew, but that's not, that's definitely not always the case. So um, props to you for persisting through and creating something that you really believe in and is clearly making a difference. Thank you. So Jeff, I, I did want to follow up on that. I read your LinkedIn and I, you know, I, I did not, you know, I sort of thought you were going in a different direction based on, on what I read on, on sort of your profile. And so I appreciate the story and, and sort of the openness to share that. I am curious sort of how you decided that this was the, the right business to create, right? I, I understand you recognize that there was a void, but what was, was there sort of a, a beyond sort of the personal story? Was there something that, that said, Hey, this is what we need to do. This is why we need to do it. And why you felt like this was the area of sort of business you thought made the most sense for you and for your sort of future? So Tom, people ask me this type of question a lot, and I'll tell them, I have big ears. 
That's what it is. Um, and as, a, as an entrepreneur, you really have to listen to people and their problems. And for me, it started back in 1998. I was at a educational technology show and I happened to ask a teacher, are you using email with your students? And she said, no, no, my district would never let my kids have an email account. And so then I followed with the why questions and it was all about safety and security. So when Gaggle started, it was safe email for students and it just kept evolving as customers tell you what they need. And my job was to have big ears and listen carefully and then find creative solutions. And, and that's the story that I thought you were going to share because that's what I read on your LinkedIn. Uh, and so definitely appreciate that. I, I think that, you know, I, I work for a company that, you know, 15 years ago was a startup. And I, I think that the hallmark of a great CEO and founder of a company is those big ears is, is, is figure out what your customers want, what your, what your employees want, what, what sort of the market is telling you to drive forward. And that's how you create a successful business. So appreciate that. Pivoting out of EDU, we'll be right back after this quick message. Coaching Through It is a podcast hosted by myself, Laura Pasquini, and Julie Larson. We're two former higher education professionals who made the jump to corporate life and now are learning what professional coaching is all about. Coaching Through It will offer you and explain what coaching actually is and how it might help your pivot out of EDU and support your career transition. We'll be digging into coaching tools, techniques, and resources that we find useful. Not only will you get these tools, but you'll find out what's useful for you and where you're at in your career. We're both career coaches and support transitions and pivots. And we have a number of other coaches you might want to learn from as we feature them on interviews on the pod. And let's get real. We've been friends for over a decade, so you might just hear an episode or two of us coaching one another. And a bit of real talk of what it's like to be in the world of work and how transitions and pivots happen today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as we'll be coaching through it. And now, back to the show. I, I want to follow up with something a little bit more specific to the pivot process too, which is our listeners are going to be from a variety of backgrounds. We're going to have higher ed folks. We're going to have K through 12 folks. We're going to have faculty. So I'm curious as, as somebody who hires people, particularly from those areas into your organization, what advice do you have for folks that are looking to go into a company like Gaggle or any other ed tech company and just don't know how to start that process or, or even where to begin? So I, I think we need to give ourselves permission to take steps backwards, right? That sometimes you have to take a step back to get on a new path that leads to higher peaks. And so I think sometimes, you know, that, that might mean a painful reduction in salary, but it leads to other greater things. So just be open to that idea. Then not to sell yourself short with the skills that you have developed. I, I talk to educators all the time and they say, oh, I, I could never do sales. And I say, what are you talking about? you sell algebra to a 13 year old boy, that's gotta be the hardest sale there is. And so whether it's that, or they wanna go in the, the sales or customer success route or customer service, or if they wanna do marketing, right? They've got an insight into K-12 or higher ed marketing, but they're only, they, they see it from the standpoint of an educator, go take some classes. You know, we tell our kids they have to have a growth mindset, we have to have a growth mindset too. We have to be able to say, well, I'm going to go read some books. I'm going to go take a master class. I'm going to learn this new skill so I can get myself a new opportunity. That, you know, that I think really helps people because a lot of times there's just a, where do I even start? So, so thank you for sharing that. In addition to the infamous word, cheerleader is definitely another word that I see. You're a self-proclaimed cheerleader. I don't see any pom-poms in your background right now, but 
I do think you deserve them because I do think and have seen that you've been a true cheer cheerleader for folks just looking to learn about and get into ed tech positions. And, you know, I, I also was, as I was hearing, you know, your time of like persisting through, it's clear that you acknowledge the future is technology and you've stayed committed to that despite people saying no we don't do email and that that makes me remind like remember when I worked on a college campus campus I'm like hey can we create a Facebook page for this leadership program and they're like we don't do Facebook we've got to get everybody you know permission so you know here you are starting a company that's tech focused and has clearly succeeded and you know I'm curious I wrote this down to be prepared, but so far you've aggregated and posted 126 lists worth of ed tech positions generally. And then I guess probably someone said, hey, we'd love to hear specific positions for software developers and engineering. And you're on list number 37 for that. We did learn you don't have an executive assistant helping you, that you're doing this yourself. And I know you also have planned and coordinated two virtual job fairs for folks looking into ed tech. So first of all, is there anything that we're missing that you've been doing to sort of advance this work and sort of along those lines, what was your impetus to, you know, did you see the gap? And that was like, let me help fill this because we have a business idea as well for like, someone posted on the on the expatriates of Facebook group is does someone have anybody know of a placement service for people le- looking to leave ed tech and move into uh, corporate not ed tech uh, campus-based suspicions and move into corporate but all joking aside you know just definitely wanted to find out if there are any other things you're doing that people can learn about and what sort of led you to that space. Sir, so first of all, Jamie, why are you selling me short? I posted list 127 today. Dang it, Jeff. <laughs> I'm a day behind. Fail. Apparently so. Apparently so. Hey. Well, look, I'll, I'll give you some of the background. Even before the pandemic, I was posting some people's names who I knew were looking for the next opportunity in ed tech. But then the pandemic hit. Right? And I was doing that here and there over the year and a half be- beforehand. But the pandemic hit. And in April, I looked around and people were getting laid off. There was palpable fear amongst people. And I thought people need to have some hopes. They have to have something to look forward to, some belief in the future. I knew at that time my company still had one or two open positions. So I contacted some friends of mine and I I just posted, hey, here's some open jobs in ed tech. And it just kind of kept growing. And now, you know, I, I will find on, I'll, I'll, I'll scan LinkedIn to look for job openings. People in the industry send me their job openings and I'm just happy to help them. And I, I love hearing the feedback when someone got a job, right? Because I know, you know, meaningful work is, you know, having purpose is what gives our life meaning. And, and so I'm just grateful for the people having that opportunity. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's something that you do for uh, for not only our audience, but for sort of the audience in general, but particularly, you know, I, I recognize that you said you started doing this before the pandemic, but I think the pandemic has really been that impetus for a lot of folks to figure out different plans for multiple reasons. Some of them were furloughed or laid off. Some of them have recognized that they now need to work fully remote, even though their companies have gone back. Some of them just need a change because they've sort of experienced something different. And so I think hearing that that's something that you do I think really is um, not just admirable, but I think leads to you being infamous. And I guess I'm curious for for our listeners, because you do have cheerleader in your title on LinkedIn. 
is that the reason? Um, but or, or are there other reasons for sort of the cheerleader cheerleader um, aspect of your of your quote unquote title? So it used to see us a coach, cheerleader, and party planner. Um, my my VP of sales thought that uh, that the party planner he was getting some feedback that that wasn't so good. These are the things I'm really good at, right? I'm really best at planning parties. Sometimes, you know, as a leader, I can't always be a cheerleader, right? I can't always cheer things on because I, I have to be a harsh judge of myself and my team and what my company accomplishes, right? Because I'm not satisfied. So in some ways, while I, I do strive, it's a reminder to me about how I want to show up as that cheerleader, as someone positive. But, you know, I just, I, I do want to try to help and support people and, and cheer them on to success. You know, continuing with the pivoting theme, and I, I don't know if you get this granular in your company, but, you know, one of the, the biggest things that folks want to know is sort of, once they've thought about how their skills transition, how do they stand out? I mean, I, I know as a, I work in ed tech and we posted a position recently and I got like 300 pretty strong applications in a week. So how, you know, how do they stand out? I don't know if you're, if you're in the weeds of looking at applications anymore, but just wondering if you have any thoughts about that. So, all right. So look again, I see the world differently than everybody else. Uh, I don't look at resumes. I just look at LinkedIn profiles. Hmm. And I also don't like long explanations and justifications, a bunch of numbers to show why they're the best, right? <laughs> We're hiring people generally that we want to work with, right? They can solve a problem that I have in my head or in my company. So in terms of how you stand out, I think it's, it's choosing to put your personality into your profile, right? Because you just said you have 300 applicants. How do you keep them all straight? Right. If they all said instructional technology specialist, right? Okay, I've got a hundred of those, but which one do I want to talk to? Because your time is limited. And then it's really about the interview process that I get out for the most feedback. Cause I, I do I do a lot of interviewing for us and I do these 20 minute sort of interviews before I refer someone on to my hiring manager. And in those 20 minutes, you think if I'm a candidate, you should as candidates, they should never be talking for more than three minutes straight. So if the interviewer asks you a question, you find yourself going on more than three minutes, you've lost track. You need to take some breaths. You need to make it a conversation, not a, not a question and answer. So Jeff, I want to dig into a little bit to that because, um, you know, I, we use LinkedIn here as well, obviously, you know, we sort of look at everybody. One of the things that I remember really clearly when sort of LinkedIn and Facebook came out, I was working in higher education. And at that point I was, you know, selecting student staff was the career center had, had advised us not to look at profiles in advance because uh, people had photos, right? And so the photos could potentially have sort of a potential for bias. And so how, how is that something that we get around? I think that that's, that that's something that, that still sort of strikes me a little bit. Like I can still hear the director of the career center saying, be careful about what you look for in advance, because, you know, now you have, now you sort of maybe have ruled out, you know, uh, a candidate from a, from maybe a marginalized background or whatever the case may be. How do, how do we get around that? Well, I think remember, the career center might've been right, but they're also maybe wrong in the current context. The world has changed. Right. And so most companies are working hard to diversify their workforce. So if you come from a marginalized background and you're not putting your picture on there, you might be doing yourself a disservice. At least yeah. in the education space, I know it's very important to my company and others in the space that we basically have a workforce that reflects you know, our, our, the student body and the customers that we serve. It, it is, like we're, we're 
planning a, 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 bi a, a bias training for our staff and our hiring managers because it is, you know, you just, it's easy to basically create ideas in your head about what the ideal candidate looks like, but we need to keep an open mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know any other, there's, well, with everything, there are pluses and minuses to any way of doing things. Yeah, no, I agree. I it's something that's just always sort of stuck stuck in the back 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 of my head is how do I make sure that I'm not not letting that that sort of implicit bias come through. Um, so I just I appreciate you sort of addressing that. I know that was sort of a a tangent yeah. question. Yeah, you know, what's interesting? I think my staff mostly does Zoom interviews. I just do phone calls, right? Mm. And, and that way, no one has to see the look on my face because sometimes <laughs> it's not pleasant. Um, and then and then I have to sort of keep a more open mind. And even sometimes I'll, I'll be on a call with someone like five minutes, 10 minutes. I don't think this is the right person. I don't think, but I have to remind myself, okay, let go of that. Listen hard now and listen for what maybe I wasn't seeing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm in the, the camp of sort of, it's important to create a digital identity. And a lot of times people think that means just like the basics of like, don't say anything negative and keep your profile clean. But I mean, like, how do you want to be seen? How do you want your, you know, day-to-day person personality to show up online and you get to take ownership of that you know I created a website many years ago I hate the color of it right now so if anyone's listening don't look I need to change it but I haven't gotten sucked into WordPress themes lately um, but you know I try to be active on LinkedIn but active isn't just updating it it's you know looking at people's posts and the like and and I agree Jeff that I think it gives you insight into the person. And, and maybe it's an ed tech thing too. It's like, I mean, I want to know that you're into technology, you know, that that's gotta be something you like and love. So um, I'm, I'm a hundred percent, you know, for that. And um, one of the, one of the questions I have that's not related to pivoting really, or technology uh, using it for social media is just more your experience. So Tom and I talk about, um, this blog that I read a while ago that talks about the stages of a startup and then, you know, they're sort of, they, they use a metaphor or three different metaphors for different stages of a startup. And it's, an, it's useful for people to think about what stage do you best align with? So their first one is the jungle where there isn't anything created and you're given a machete and you're getting to chop down everything from scratch. The next is a dirt road where, right, there's some clarity in the direction, but you also can help to influence that. And finally is the highway where, you know, you know, the rules of the road, etc. I am crazy. I'm a jungle person. Like, the more there is to chop down, the better. My husband's definitely highway. Like, just tell me the rules of the road. My question for you is, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's interesting to me that you've been at Gaggle um, and for 20 years because you strike me as a jungle kind of guy. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious where you see yourself fitting. And if you are in the jungle, how do you keep it so that you're able to keep um, yourself motivated and excited um, from day to day? So look, I love, I use the jungle analogy with my team and different, slightly different around product development. So first of all, I drive my employees crazy, right? <laughs> That's just how it is. That is actually part of my job is to promise things that we don't know we can deliver. 
That's what a CEO has to do. That's the jungle phase. We have a core value at Gaggle, and some of my staff, I think, really doesn't like it. It's innovation over perfection, right? And what that tells us is we're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming to do something innovative right now. There's many times we could have used a little more perfection, but that's how I see it. I, I'm always working on the next thing. I like building and creating. Process is not my favorite thing. Data, I might be the only person, I hate data, right? Oh, the whole world's worshiping data, screw data. You hire people who can deal with that. <laughs> and, worse than, and, and, and worse than that is like, mostly people use data to justify their own decisions. When I like data is when it tells me something I didn't believe and I have to change my thinking. Otherwise, why are we bothering, right? So that's, you know, I, I, that's, these are, of course, we use a lot of data. And of course, we've had to develop lots of process. I mean, to ingest 10 billion items and be our average response time for an emergency situation is 17 minutes from when we get it, right? You have to have a really great process, but other people really do the process. Yeah. And I stay because I keep growing as a leader. If I, if I sold my company and retired, I could be a rich guy, whatever, but I have to grow and evolve as a leader to keep staying here and being doing meaningful work. Awesome. That makes a good deal of sense. I appreciate that. Um, even for somebody who works at a data company. So um, <laughs> uh, I, I was, uh, and of course our listeners can't see this. They've heard me say this a couple of times. Uh, Jamie and I chat back and forth to make sure that we keep each other aligned. <laughs> After you said that, I said, uh-oh, I work for a data company. I hope that's okay. <laughs> well, look, you could argue that Gaggle is a data company. What we do is we take a haystack yeah. full of data and we sift it down to what's important. Right. Um, look, I, I something I was going to mention earlier about LinkedIn, I think it's important to have take a have a meaningful opinion, right? I tell people all the time, look, I need some people to hate me because if nobody hates me, nobody truly loves me. And I want to show up as an authentic version of me and attract the right people who are going to believe in me and my mission. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, Jeff, you know, as we start to get to the close of this particular episode, I'm just curious if somebody from education, particularly because that's our audience, uh, were to come to you and ask for sort of one line of advice as they were thinking about making a pivot to either your company or or any company, what would that one line be? Patience, right? It's not going to happen overnight, right? And that leads to all sorts of things around when you're interviewing, be patient. When you're you know, be patient to find the right job and keep applying and have the stack of rejection letters. That stack of rejection letters is something to be proud of. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the process itself is educational. I uh, I did a consult with somebody who had applied for, I think she kept an Excel sheet of 120 applications that she had put out there, but it was the 121st that she was, that she was hired in. And, and at the end of the day, that's the one that, that's the one that mattered. That's the one that counted. So uh, great advice. Really appreciate that. Well, Jeff, uh, I know I speak for Jamie when I say uh, we are so thrilled to have you. Um, you were definitely quote unquote, a get for us to have on the podcast this season. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you uh, and to get your insights, not only into um, sort of the pivoting process, but also just from the lens of a CEO and a, and a founder of a company, what uh, what 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 that looks like, particularly as, as so many of our listeners are looking to go into ed tech, but also potentially because so many ed techs are startups. So really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. For all of our listeners out there, once again, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you give us a five wherever you download your podcast, but also make sure that you listen next week for another great episode of Pivoting Out of EDU. 
Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. If you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, visit our website for advice and resources and learn Jamie and Tom's private consultations offered to support you in your journey. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating.